0: Unique, yet common-sense opinions on sports, this is Jeff Allen's Sports Talk. Great to be back with you once again. Glad to have you on board. Coming up, we begin our first look at the football season. Yeah, it's back. Thank goodness. Tony Serino of ASC North Talk is going to join me on the show today. Tony is also a uh, colleague of mine at the day job. So I've got a little episode of of my day job uh, comrades joining the show. Tony is standing by in the virtual green room and will join us in just a moment. First, uh, let's talk about Women's World Cup for a moment. Now, I have not watched much, but we now know that the uh, U.S. women's team has uh, advanced to the round of 16. But they did so. In a nil-nil game, they have not looked all that spectacular going through group play, and I gotta give it to Carly Lloyd. The you know she's a soccer legend, uh, you know, uh, part of the uh, U.S. Women's World Cup Championship teams, and it'd be easy for her just to you know go along for the ride as an analyst for Fox Sports, but she took them to task for the way they were dancing and celebrating after the game when they have not really done a great deal. You know, the players were, you know, greeting family and friends and stuff after the game, but they were, you know, pretty chipper and chatty and all that. And Carly Lloyd said, no, 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 you don't, you ain't done nothing yet. So, uh, good for her. I mean, cause she could easily just, you know, cash the check from Fox sports and, play the patriotic music and all that good stuff, but uh, good for her for uh, calling them out on that. And think about this time a year ago in Major League Baseball. Well, a little over that. Let's say about 14 months ago when it was proclaimed the New York Mets were on their way. (laughs) They were about to be championship-bound. The NL East was over, and now here we are at the trade deadline, August first, they had already dealt Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers, and now they have sent Justin Verlander to the Houston Astros. So he's reacquired by the Stros, who was part of the, you know what what made them a great championship team. And look at that, you know the Mets are just selling pieces off; they are blowing it up and starting all over again. So think about how fast. From one season to the next, things can change. And boy, for the Mets, they went from aiming at the penthouse to being flushed down the toilet. Oh, yeah, it's that time. Football season is on the horizon. So we will do our first uh, football-related podcast of the season. And my special guest for this podcast... From the AFC North Talk podcast and also a colleague of mine at my day job, Tony Cerrito is here.
1: Tony, welcome to the show. Jeff, happy to be on with you today. Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, you know, fellow podcasters at, you know, at quote unquote work, right? Uh, It's been a lot of fun working with you, but it's going to be even more fun. Talking, talking football with you today. Yes,
0: this is a lot more fun. That's <laughs> that's a, a no brainer. So, uh, anyway, so AFC North talk. So normally I do the shameless plugs portion of the podcast at the end of the segment, but uh, tell the folks uh, who may uh, in my audience who may not have sure. caught your show, you know what your show is all about.
1: Yeah, no, it's uh, we are four friends who happen to be mortal enemies. We are uh, <laughs> each of us a fan of a different team in the AFC North and um, we decided to start our own podcast together so it's a roundtable show all about the AFC North i represent the Steelers we have another guy Quincy who represents the Browns Sonny represents the Ravens Ace represents the Bengals we have a lot of fun a lot of trash talk on the show it's it's on YouTube you can check it out yeah it's AFC North Talk awesome well uh,
0: let's talk about your your Pittsburgh Steelers so what are your what are your what are your thoughts as uh, they move into the uh, 2023 campaign
1: I think, you know, like all Steelers fans, I think I'm, I'm excited, you know? And I, I know it's it's kind of weird to say that because this is not – this is a team that hasn't won a playoff game since 2016, I want to say. Um, so, you know, it's not like they, this has been the traditional kind of Steelers success. They're in a division with the Bengals, who have been in the Super Bowl two years ago in the AFC Championship game last year. Ravens look good. Browns look good. So a lot of people are predicting my Steelers to be in in fourth. But I just have this feeling, Jeff, I have this feeling that you know the, this, this Mike Tomlin, the Steelers. They're not a basement style team. I think, like last year, you know, I think they surprised people by being nine and eight by the end of the year. I wouldn't be shocked this year if they surprise people again. Ten wins is eleven too many. Uh, I think they could finish. I think second place is not out of the realm of possibility for this team going into twenty twenty three. All right, so. Talk to me about Mike Tomlin,
0: because he's been there a long time. Coaches yeah. don't generally last this long in one place for yeah. a long period of time. Of course, the Steelers have a great track record with longevity with their head coaches. You know, what do you think the fan base is feeling about him at this point?
1: Uh, you know, Steeler fans, I mean, we're let's be honest. They're such a spoiled fan base, right? You know, <laughs> it, what other franchise would ha- would have no losing records since, what, 2004, I think, was the last time this team had a losing record? Certainly under Mike Tomlin, they have not had a losing record. And yet, they, you know, every year you have a certain f- segment of the fan base who wants Mike Tomlin out. I think Mike Tomlin is a great coach. I think he's always been a great coach. And I, I think what's been nice to see out of him, and we're starting to get now, is in a post-Ben Roethlisberger era, you're really seeing a team that is completely and utterly made in Mike Tomlin's image, right? You know, there was that, you know, right after he took over for Cowher, there was a little bit of sense of, oh, he's winning with Cowher's players or that kind of thing. And what kind of, you know, there was the killer B era, but now we get to see like, okay, Mike Tomlin from scratch, you know, what, what would you do with a, with an offense defense? No, like you have a a franchise quarterback. Like, what do you want? I think it's been interesting to to watch him in a league where you have Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, right? You know, Justin Herbert, you are looking at quarterbacks with huge arms who want to throw the ball down the field. And Mike Tomlin's putting together a team. It's like, I don't want to do that. I would rather run the ball and I would rather play divas. Very very Steelers esque, right? I mean, it's very much, you know, my dad. It's loves on it brand, really, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Very on brand. And a lot of people in, in Pittsburgh, I think, do like that mentality. Um, but no, I think I think he's a great coach, and I think with, with him, it's you know, he's I just you just know that when you get when you get to that tough part of the season or a tough part of a football game, you're not, you're not counting the Steelers out of that, right? That's when that's how they win games. They're going to play ugly football because they know at the end of the game, you're likely to screw it up, and a Mike Tomlin coach team just isn't.
0: You know, I kind of felt like the season really took a turn for them too uh, when T.J. Watt went out because, you know, he was just terrorizing the opposition on defense.
1: Yeah. No, no doubt. I mean, that that part of the season was, uh, that was tough. And and they, you know, they needed someone to step up defensively, especially from a pass rush perspective. Alex Highsmith, I think, had, what, 14 and a half, 15 sacks last year. He stepped up well, but there's just, you know, when you get those elite defenders like that, you just there's such a gravitational force, right? I mean, offenses have to game plan around that player. um, And that opens things up for everybody else. And so even though, yeah, you had a little bit of, you know, Hayward played well, Highsmith played well. It just wasn't TJ Watt. And I think once they got him back in the second half of the year, you look at their second half of the year, they were what? Six and two, seven and two down the stretch. I mean, that's how they went to to win nine games. Um, And that was all about, I think, first of all, offensively, they kind of found an identity of like, all right, let's just run the ball. Don't turn the ball over, right? We're not gonna take a bunch of chances. We're just gonna grind it out. And then defensively, they got TJ back again. A little more of that gravitational force of like defenses are trying to game plan around TJ. That opened things up uh elsewhere. And and they were able to just win games ugly. I mean, look at the look at some of those scores down the stretch, right? What thirteen to ten against the Raiders, sixteen to thirteen against uh against the Ravens. Those are not modern NFL scores. Not always pretty to watch, but <laughs> <Exactly. Yeah. laughs> depending on—I mean, depending on what you are. As yeah. a Steeler fan, I kind of like it. But yeah. no, certainly, I think uh, it's not going to—it's not going to lead the ratings on uh, on, on ESPN on <laughs> on Sundays anytime soon.
0: All right, of course, uh, you know year two now for Kenny Pickett. Uh, yep. You know, and the plan was originally not really hoping to have to play him much in his rookie season, but uh, obviously he had to. So. What do you think and what do you think about his development so
1: far? Yeah, Kenny's an enigma. You know, I, I this is where I try to take the fan hat off and I try to be I try to be unbiased about this, but I can't. I mean, you know, it's the quarterback of your team. You have to defend him. Obviously, obviously, there are physical deficiencies with Kenny Pickett. Everyone said this coming out. I mean, we'll talk about the the hand size thing, you know, to the side. I'm not even talking about the hand size stuff, right? I'm just talking about like when you look at his arm talent, when you watch him play. Does he look like he could be on the level of a Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert? Considering those, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, he just doesn't. He doesn't look like he has that in him. Uh, but again, I go back to that idea of I don't know that Mike Tomlin necessarily needs that to win a Super Bowl, right? And I don't think that Mike Tomlin got Kenny Pickett because you know he can never be Patrick Mahomes. But I think he understood what he was getting in Kenny, which is. You kind of want like a, a, a more, you know, quote unquote, cerebral player or whatever. You know, what I mean, just someone who's who can be a game manager. But if 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 Kenny Pickett caps out at Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr, do you trust that Mike Tomlin, if he had the defense that he's had for the last three or four years and then a, a Derek Carr or a Kenny or a, a Kirk Cousins who doesn't turn the ball over? Right? I mean, you need you need some a little more clutch than Kirk Cousins, but like don't turn the ball over. Be clutch. And then just that, you know, you don't need to do anything spectacular. We'll let the defense do that we will let the running game do that. I, you know, I think maybe Mike Tomlin could win that way. So yeah, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic when it comes to Kenny, but um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. I mean, year two is a big. He needs to take a leap. Last year was was a tough year for him.
0: And of course, uh, from early returns in training camp, and I always try to, to temper yeah, what news correct. comes out of training camp, right? But uh, it looks like uh, George Pickens is uh, becoming a highlight reel.
1: <laughs> loved love George Pickens. Yeah, an opportunity. I had an opportunity to be at training camp. Last season, uh, I was I was there for almost every practice. And I said coming out of last year's training camp, if George Pickens doesn't turn out to be at least a good receiver, not a great receiver, not elite, but just at least good. I will never go to training camp again because uh, there's no point in going to training camp. If, if what I'm watching on the practice field doesn't at least translate a little bit onto the real, uh, you know, into a real NFL stadium, then what's the point? Because, yeah, I mean, the stuff he's doing this year, same stuff he was doing last year. He's so good with the ball in the air. I think it was uh, Patrick Peterson, the new Steelers corner, who said today, "It's just it's so unique to have a player who can who can contort his body the way that George can at his size and and have that and you know and maintain the level of physicality that he does." I think you know it's been all over Twitter today the catch he had over Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, Pickens is he was my wide receiver one coming out of that draft, so I was very excited the Steelers got him. I think the sky's the limit for him. It's just about. You know, for him, it's about okay. You can do combat catches really well, but at some point, you do have to get open. You know, it's, it's one <laughs> thing to be like I, everything is a fifty-fifty ball. You'd like to see more plays where he's actually open on the play because yeah. run after catch is a big thing. You know, in the NFL right now, and it's one of the it's one of the things that hurts the Steelers is that they just don't have enough explosive plays. Mm-hmm. You know, George Pickens can catch a nice fifty-fifty ball for forty yards down the field, but you you know you'd you'd right you'd like for him to catch that and then run for another twenty, or run for another thirty, and make that a you know. A, a real explosive.
0: Yes. Not to mention route running is kind of important. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: it can be, it can be, yes, it can be, it can be important.
0: <laughs> Just one of those things. All right. So looking at the AFC North now, you know, you look at this, you know, the NFL is basically about elite quarterbacks, right? Yes. And yes, Cincinnati yes. has one in Joe Burrow. And of course they get the big scare in training camp. Oh. Everybody's worst fear of, a, of, of your QB one elite QB one going down. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, because he goes down their season a shot.
1: Right. And here's the thing, Jeff, how am I? Spo- OK, so as a Steeler fan, how am I supposed to feel about that moment? Right? Because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. You know, no one no one wish I don't no one wishes injury on anyone. Right? right. But when you but when I watched that clip, was there a part of me that went like, oh, oh, <laughs> of course there was. And I think I think anyone would be lying. I think I like lying. the honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but I mean, I think we all do it, which is not like I. Oh, I hope he's hurt. But it's one of those, like, well, if he is, though, that opens the door.
0: It's the old Seinfeld. Oh, that's too bad. What a shame.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: But you look at what he brings to the table, and obviously, you know, the, the Bengals have been to the Super Bowl, and they they will be a they will be a contender. Yeah. Um, the team to be, obviously, in the division. You think?
1: I think so. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, that's a team when with with Joe Burrow. And then, obviously, you add Jamar Chase to it. Oh, and they also have T. Higgins. Oh, and they also have Tyler Boyd, right? And that offense is so loaded. I think they've done a – you know, Joe Burrow's done a really good job of, of kind of taking control of that offense. You know, the only thing that's really held them back has been a really poor offensive line. And and quite honestly, you know, as I look at that team, I think that's probably the only thing that's going to hold them back again, right? I mean, I think they got Orlando Brown. I will see how that goes. But, no, I think for sure they're they're the class of the AFC North right now. Yeah, we'll talk about the other teams here in a second, but there's just that offense is capable of so much. They haven't, when you think about how young that team still is, you know, this is really going to be what Joe Burrow's fourth season in the National Football League, his third playing with, with Jamar Chase. I mean, what they've accomplished already in going to a Super Bowl and then when I mean, they were plays away from potentially playing in another Super Bowl last year, um, yeah, they're, they're so good. And then we haven't even talked about their defense, where I think, you know, sneakily, their defense has been both carried them through some of those playoff games, and this is a team that hasn't put up 30 points in the playoffs yet in their in their run. It's all been, you know, those kind of 20 point games, but their defense keeps them in it. Um, and yeah, I think I think right now they are far, I would say almost far and away the class of the AFC North.
0: And then you look over at the uh, at the Ravens, and then yeah. you look at Lamar Jackson. This is a very interesting situation going on there, and he is such an yeah. enigma to me. I mean he's he's a great athlete. Is he a great quarterback? Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Right. No, I you know I, I think that's been and is and specifically is he the kind of clutch quarterback who you can count on at the you know in that like all right Lamar we need you to like go out there and win this game in a big time moment. Um you know Ravens fans will argue as we do every week on AFC North <laughs> as, on AFC North talk that oh he's done it in in XYZ regular season games. Oh of course he did it last year in this re- in this regular season game you look at his playoff record though i think he has one playoff win to his to his uh to his name and that was against ryan Tannehill and the in the tennessee titans the other two playoff games he's played in he got well we won't count the chargers one because that was his rookie season but the other one was at an embarrassing loss to ryan Tannehill when they were the number one seed that was his MVP season he did not play well in that game the other one he had a pick six against uh, against the bills um so yeah i mean like You know, it's that offense is so tailored around him. Harbaugh does a great job of of making that work for him. Um, But, you know, Ben Roethlisberger said it this offseason defenses are are okay with Lamar Jackson dropping back and trying to throw the football. Not say he's bad at it, not say like he's not, he he cannot be an above average thrower of the football. But in a modern NFL where it's Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, Allen, we talked about all these guys, right? Of those, who is the best passer among them? No one, no one. Would say Lamar Jackson is that guy. In fact, I think you might argue that Lamar Jackson is the worst of those things. Now he happens to be great with the ball in his hands as a runner, and that's what makes him so elite. But um, now I'm with you on that. It is it is a, a bit of an enigma because you can't just throw him in any offense. You know, the Ravens have done a really good job of making it work with his skill set.
0: Yeah, and of course you know quarterbacks are not meant to be battered around as much as he gets battered around, and no matter how many times you run the football. You know, you're one or two hits away from, you know, being out of the
1: game. Well, and 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 that's been the story of the last two seasons for them, right? When you look at what happened at at the end of the 2021 season, where he sat out, I think, the last six games of that year, they missed the playoffs. Uh, And then he sat out the last six games plus the playoff game a year ago. And, you know, obviously, could you imagine? I mean, if he played in that playoff game, you have to imagine they win that game against... The Bengals considering how that game ended, right? right. I don't think he dives over the, you know, I don't <laughs> think he sick the ball up like that <laughs> at the very least. So yeah. yeah. No, I mean I think the injury thing, the injury concern with him is is real. And and uh, you know, Ravens fans will argue it's not wear and tear, it's just it just have, you know, it's freak plays, it's not when he's running the ball, it's when he's in the pocket, that kind of thing. Fine, but to your point, you know, wear and tear is wear and tear. It doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter how the injury happened. It's the accumulation, it's usually an accumulation that leads to that kind of thing. I like think there was, you know, it's part of why his contract negotiation, I think, took so long is, you know, I think everyone knows in a, in a league where quarterbacks are playing into their late 30s and 40s, I don't imagine anyone's under the assumption that Lamar Jackson is playing that long, right? I mean, given his playing style, there's no way Lamar Jackson is still playing at this level at 37, 38, 39 years of age. There's no way.
0: Not unless he becomes an elite passer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah
1: that's, exactly. that's pretty much going to be it. So then
0: how about the Cleveland Browns? So. Talking about rooting against guys, I yes. so want Deshaun Watson to be a
1: get the crap beat out of him. I don't know. I just and well, no, I mean, he was and he was and, and Jeff, he was so bad last year. Yes. I mean, this is my favorite part of the Browns, which is that we are in, we are currently, you know, no football is being played. So, this is the time of the year when Browns fans convince themselves, no, this is the year, this is our year, <laughs> and we've been in this cycle. Going back to, I mean, I don't know, when they drafted Baker Mayfield, I guess, right? I mean, that was the real moment when you felt like, all right, well, if Baker works out, considering they already have Miles and all, you know, they had all the guys at the time, Chubb and all of that, like maybe this works out for them. And we've been in this cycle, now it's been a vicious cycle, and I've loved every minute of it. But for like six years, we've been doing the same thing. And now Watson comes in. Watson's the best, best quarterback they've had. Watson's a great player. Watson, if he works out for them, should make this team a contender because boy oh boy is this team loaded with down. They were 7-10 and 10 last year. Mm-hmm. They were 7-10 and 10 last year, and there is a real argument to be made. I don't even know if it's an argument. I mean, I think it's just a fact. Jacoby Brissett was a better quarterback for them than Deshaun Watson was. No doubt. Now, the, the Browns fans will argue, well, he didn't, you know, he he had two years off, it's rust, it's yada, yada, yada. Okay, then, you you know, you would have to make an argument that maybe he got better as the year went on. Go check the numbers. I mean, he just didn't get better as the year went on. <laughs> he had one nice game against Washington where – Amari Cooper ran like three passes for 60 yards each and had three touchdowns in that game. Otherwise, otherwise he had like a 40% completion percentage in that game. He played my Steelers in the last week of the year. You would have thought he was the rookie quarterback, not Kenny Pickett, given the two interceptions he threw in that game. The, I love the Browns so much because you know, Juju Smith-Schuster said it the best before that playoff game. The Browns are the Browns. (laughs) And, I don't know how it's going to happen this year. I, I don't I, – it's what I look forward to in the season. The Browns are going to be the Browns. They will finish last in this division outside of an injury to someone else. And I just can't wait to see how it happens because, boy, they have convinced themselves that with all this talent offensively and, and the changes they made defensively to their coordinator, that they really are a contender in the AFC North and in the AFC uh, as, as in general. And I'm just not – I'm not buying
0: it. So what you're saying is, if there's a banana peel to be slipped upon, they will find it
1: <laughs> uh, every single time, every time. That's every, a, it's so fun to watch.
0: Oh, it is. It, it is, and we'll we'll get to Baker Mayfield in a little bit. But uh, in the AFC overall, obviously, to be the champ, you got to beat the champ, right? the yeah. The Kansas City Chiefs have a dynasty esque type run happening right now, and.
1: Does it look like getting a little slow down anytime soon? It's a- Not not as long as not as long as long Mahomes is the quarterback and, and Andy Reid's the coach, right? I mean, it's the perfect, you, you have like a, such a great offensive mind. And then you have a quarterback in, in Patrick Mahomes who is, not only is he athletic enough to, to maneuver a pocket and make his own yards when he needs to, right? We saw that in the Super Bowl even with a, a bum ankle. But, that you know, he is a freak athlete. He's a true freak athlete as a quarterback, meaning he can make every throw on the field, from every angle. You talk about the modern NFL elite quarterback play. Part of modern NFL quarterback play is that ability to make the off-schedule throw or the off-platform throw, right? Mm-hmm. It's not about sitting in the pocket anymore. We don't have quarterbacks like Tom Brady and, and, and Peyton Manning anymore, Dan Marino, who are like in the pocket, dissect a defense, and make all those throws out of the pocket. A lot of times now you're asking your quarterback to kind of ad-lib at times or, or maneuver in that way. Mahomes is the best at that, too. And so, you know, you have a great offensive mind in Andy Reid, plus you have the, the best improviser in the league in Pat Mahomes. Now, they, they are, they're the favorite for a reason, and it's, you know, it's kind of one of those, like, until you beat them, they're the favorite.
0: Yeah, and you also look at that, you know, when, when teams are that good, it's almost like they manufacture their own luck, because you you talk about, you know, Mahomes you being injured but their backup quarterback Chad Henne has made two significant plays during the playoffs, you know? That's
1: right. I love and you know that's another one I love to give I love to give Browns fans a lot of a lot of heat for that one too because uh you'll remember um yeah, that, I think that's one yeah, that, that's one of the ones you're talking about, which is Chad Henne came in and beat Baker Mayfield beat the Browns in a game where Mahomes left the game. Chad Henny had to make some throws at the end of that game to to put the game away. And did I think he scored a touchdown in that game? Even yeah. So uh, Baker Mayfield and the Browns lost to Chad Henne. Chad Henny also made some big plays uh, in that Jaguars game a year ago as well.
0: Yeah. So yeah. so yeah. So yeah. To me, when you're that good, some of that stuff just rubs off on other guys, right? It just, yep. it just yep.
1: happens by osmosis. And they and they. One other thing about the Chiefs, they have a very underrated defense right now. Very young, but very underrated. Those two linebackers, they have Willie Gay, and Nick Bolton, are are tremendous, tremendous athletes. Obviously, Chris Jones, you know, enough said it on the defensive line, but that secondary as well with uh, Justin Reed and Travis, uh, Trent McDuffie, the corner they got, they've got, that's a sneaky good, like, much like the Bengals, who have this sneaky defense that no one really talks about because it's all on the offensive side. I think the Chiefs are becoming that team too. And if, boy, if some of that young talent works out because they're all still on rookie contracts, I mean, that's just unfair. You know, to give Patrick Mahomes a, 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 an above average defense, that's unfair.
0: Yeah. Well, as much as I hate to talk about him, Another big storyline in the AFC is, and I hate to talk about him because he is the drama king of the NFL, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers.
1: Yes, he is.
0: So, how do you think that's going to work out in the Big Apple?
1: Yeah, you know, I keep seeing. I, I, I was looking up today to see who the who the uh, Vegas who Vegas had like the well, the top five in the AFC. But, you know, a lot of people said Jets were four or five. You know, but outside of it's like uh, Chiefs. um Uh, Bengals, Ravens, and then you would have Jets there potentially, you know, alongside the Bills. Crazy. Crazy to me. I understand that that Jets team is loaded full of talent, uh, especially on the offensive side at wide receiver. Their defense is pretty underrated. They're good. I mean, Sauce Gardner was great for them last year. But, you know, quarterbacks, I I saw this with Ben Roethlisberger with my own eyes. With a quarterback... You don't realize it's over until it's, it's already been over. You just didn't realize it yet. <laughs>
0: Boxer mentality, <huh? laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't realize that Ben's arm was shot and, like, everything was shot about Ben until people, like, had to drill it. No, Tony, he's shot. It's over. And I think with Aaron, I don't think Jets fans want to... I, I don't know that it's over-over for Aaron Rodgers, but we're getting, you know, it's the third act, let's say. I don't know if the movie's over yet, but we are certainly in the third act, and this, you know, the credits are about to roll here. Um, yeah, I just, I just worry about like, you know, is he's still the same, he's not the same guy. And so that's, you know, their, their whole hopes are on Aaron Rodgers being the same Aaron Rodgers to keep but to keep up in this AFC.
0: Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth, he's upgraded the quarterback position for them for, for obvious reasons, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yes.
1: yeah. but a little better than Zach Wilson. That is for sure.
0: Yeah. But, but still, you know, it, you know, I almost see this playing out much the way it did for, uh another Packer great Brett Favre in New York, you know, it just, you know,
1: just didn't have, have enough juice. Just kind of fizzle out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, they're, they're in another division that's pretty tough. I mean, I, I, you know, I think the bills are still going to be good. Um, I think the dolphins are a sleeping giant. I love their coach. I love their offense. Um, so yeah, I mean there, and then you have Bill, and then, Oh, by the way, the other team there is built coached by Bill Belichick. So they might be pretty okay. Um, yeah, I mean, this was a, you know, the Jets finished last in the division a year ago. I know that Aaron Rodgers is an upgrade. But again, if Aaron Rodgers isn't elite, you know, what is that team really going to be? Because, you know, like, 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 like I talked about with my Steelers, you know, I understand that Kenny Pickett's not going to be an elite quarterback. I get that. But they're not trying to win with elite quarterback play. They're trying to win in other ways. Are the Jets capable of, like, pivoting out of that and saying, like, all right, Aaron, it's late in your career? You know, kind of like the Broncos had to do with Peyton Manning late in his career. They're like, all right, Peyton manage this stuff. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Right. (laughs) I don't know if I, you know, I just don't know that that jets team has the makeup of a team like that, that if, if Aaron struggles early on, can they pivot? Can they win another way?
0: Yeah, that's a, It is interesting. And then, of course, I love how they're falling all over themselves because he's given up $35 million restructuring his contract. Uh, yeah. You know, I know Packer fans have got to be spitting nails on that, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, he hated the Packers. I mean, it's very clear. It's very clear. If there's, if there's anything that we've figured out this offseason. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers hated the Packers at the end. And it probably, you know, I know he said, I went into that retreat. And it all happened there. And sorry Aaron, I don't buy it. I think you hated the Packers for a little while there. <laughs> I think you made them, you know, like the fact that they were willing to give you 50 million dollars a year was enough to keep you. Um but it wasn't like, you know, you weren't taking a hometown hometown discount for the Packers, no doubt about it cuz and a lot of that was I think out of spite.
0: Yeah, no, no question about it and uh, yeah, and guys had to leave because of it
1: and yep. and he lost
0: key pieces because yep. of that for sure. Uh Let's take a little trip around the state of Florida. Talk about the Florida teams real quick. So, sure. we talked about Baker Mayfield earlier. He ends up in Tampa. You know, yeah. Uh, how you like to be the How you like to be the guy to replace Tom Brady? Huh?
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got you know he's he's got. I guess you know the nice thing for Baker is that there's no expectation for him now, right? Because the Buccaneers are probably going to end up being one of the worst teams in the league. I would imagine that they're going to be in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes a year from now. We're talking about. Uh, the number one pick in the draft, so yeah. But I mean, of all people, Baker Mayfield uh, to to follow Tom Brady. Yeah, that's that's a uh, that's a heck of a one-two, isn't it? The greatest quarterback of all time. To well, I wouldn't say Baker's the worst, you know. But man, he's not good. He's no, not no, good no, no.
0: He was highly overrated coming out of college, and, and you know, the only thing I won't question about him is his toughness. Uh, you know, he's 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 got the grit and the moxie there, but he just doesn't have the talent. <laughs> uh you're on mute there, Tony. Oh, sorry about
1: that. Yeah. Uh, Whatever you said was back. fabulous, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I th- I think I agree with you from a uh from a like a mental t- or from a from a physical toughness perspective with with Baker because he plays with the injury and that kind of thing. From a, from a mental toughness perspective, you know, he did quit on the Browns at the end there. That was a bad look. And I understand the Browns are a bad organization. It's a, you know, it's probably a, a toxic environment anyway. Um but that was a really bad look for him at the end. At the end there in Cleveland, um, and I didn't love that. You know, the fact that he basically said, "Me and my doctors have decided we're going to shut it down for the year." Um, boy, that was that was real silly. Yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, going down to the to the true South Florida in the Miami Dolphins. You mentioned loving Mike McDaniel, the uh, the Dolphins head coach, and you know, I guess. Yeah, obviously it's going to be key for Tua to be healthy. That's going to be a, a big part of the, what their success might be, right?
1: It's the only thing, right? I mean, if you look at last year, and and there, you know, you go back to their wins and losses. I mean, you could like draw a straight line between, you know, oh, was Tua hurt in this one? Yep, that was an L. Um, otherwise, they were a sleeping giant. I felt like last year with that, with the way that McDaniel designed that offense. You know, the running game never, I think, never really got going like you wanted it to. But the way that he used that speed between uh, Waddle and, and Hill to his accuracy um, and then designing ways to get those guys and run after catch situations. Boy, they were so, so good. I mean, obviously their defense didn't live up to any sort of standard. I mean, Xavier Howard, who's been a, a top corner in the league. I mean, you know, father time hit him pretty strong last year, but even still that was a nine and eight football team. They had Skylar Thompson as their quarterback and they were plays away from beating the Buffalo bills in Buffalo. Um, so, Yeah, I think you got to keep, first of all, like you said, you got to keep to a healthy. But I think from an offensive mind perspective, I would, I'm ready to almost put Mike McDaniel alongside the Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahans of the world of Mm -hmm. like, this guy is a, like, he's like the next guy in that line. Um, it's just it's just you know you got to give him quarterback play because Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson aren't cutting it out there <laughs> yeah. no matter no matter how good Mike McDaniel is at play calling or play design yeah but he definitely does come into that uh, yeah he's one of these like
0: these offensive chemists right you know yes. the guy in the lab right
1: <laughs> right and i think and and you know much like with Mike Tomlin knows how he wants to win games right rush the passer you know play play uh, play solid defense run the football you know physical football mcdaniel has a type you know he he went out in the draft he he drafted uh a chain the guy from from texas a&m super fast player and that's you know he certainly understands what makes things work for his offense and it's a lot of run after catch and it's a lot of run after catch with speed but he's designing it all that way and i think again i really like i really like guys like that who understand why they're winning and and like really push the accelerator on that And, and mcdaniel's doing that in miami
0: Yeah. And then, of course, uh, somewhat of a trendy pick as a a team that's on the rise, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence. You could definitely see that next step happening last season. Uh, Give me your take on them.
1: Yeah, they're a sneaky team. You know, I know that they beat the Chargers in the playoffs and they and they gave the Chiefs a little bit of trouble, but they were a nine win team last year. I'm trying to remember what their record was in the middle of the season because I remember it not being good. Didn't they? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't they have to win, like, their last six games or something to even qualify for the playoffs? Yeah,
0: and they beat my Cowboys in that process, too. That's
1: right. Yeah. They did. They did. So, you know, they're another team. I I mean, I don't know. The Jaguars won a playoff game last year, so it's hard to compare them to my Steelers. But I do feel like they're that kind of young team, on-the-rise type of team. Um, But I don't know. Like, is this the year that they actually make a leap? Or is it or is this still a continuation of where they were, right? And were they maybe, would you consider that if you look back at last year and, and the way that they had to win? I mean, I'm looking it up now. They were they were at one point of last, in last year three and seven, and then ended up finishing the year nine and eight. Were they just a year ahead of schedule? Right? Mm. Was that just kind of a year ahead of schedule type of thing? And this year is the year that they probably do break through. They'll probably win that division easily. But I I I think I would still put them in a tier two if I'm if we're ranking AFC contenders as far as tier one, tier two. I don't know that I put that many, you know, I don't think they're close to tier one yet. They're probably still a solid tier two team that has another leap to make before they get into that upper echelon of the AFC.
0: Yeah. And of course it also goes to show you what difference a coach can make. Yes. You know, you bring, <laughs> you, you go from, you know, Irvin trash can Meyer to, you know, Doug Peterson. <laughs>
1: Shout out to Doug Peterson, too, because he got, you know, he, this is a guy who won a, a Super Bowl in Philly, and then he was gone, like, what, two, three years later? Yeah, two years, uh, yeah. Yeah, two years later, and he was gone. And, you know, it didn't look, like. I mean, I, I certainly didn't think he was going to get another job. As, I think he got, you know, he got that job within two years, right? So, uh, and shout out to him for, like, immediately taking that Jaguars team who, you know, but we as we've talked about, they have some talent there, but immediately taking them into the playoffs, winning that division, Um, yeah. Good good on good on Doug Peterson.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right. So as you look around the league, are there any storyline I'll give you one I'll give you one of mine, but are there any storylines sure. that kind of captivate you to me the Detroit Lions?
1: I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> that was that was the only thing that came to my mind. Yeah. I can't wait to see what this team does this year. Yeah. They're so they're so fun.
0: Uh, I love Dan Campbell. Yep. Uh you know, you know, he he should have been the Dolphins coach. <laughs> when, when no, he no. had that great interim season you know uh, and then you know he, he he was with the Cowboys for a while and he was a captain on the Cowboys and yeah. there's a lot of guys that said you know he was he was like a heart and soul guy when he was a player yes. and boy you see that as a head coach and and you and the biggest thing i see is these guys want to run through a wall for him
1: that he is the ultimate you know, when people like downplay coaches, they're like, oh, he's a player's coach or he's just like, he's a rah rah guy or whatever. And then and, and fans use this to like downplay certain coaches. They do this to Mike Tomlin a lot. He's not an ex is guy; He's a rah rah guy. Well, you know what? Sometimes rah rah guys work. Like Dan Campbell, I'm not trying to take anything away from his X's and O's, but he is a rah rah guy. Okay. <laughs> and there might, he might be the best rah rah guy. Because when I watched him on hard knocks last year, you can't help but like be in, you know, just. Uh, I don't know what the right word is, but, like, enthralled with with his personality and how much he cares. He cares so much he wants – he, like, he gets you to, like, buy – I'm a Steeler fan, and I'm like, I, I care about the Lions, dog. I want this Lions team – I want this Lions team to win. Um, and, yeah, their roster is so nutty. Like, they, they, had, they had two draft picks in the first round, right, and they took a running back and an inside linebacker. So uh, that's just not how you build a modern football team. Like, if you look at, like, you know, what all the analytic people say about how to build a roster – their quarterback is Jared Goff, who, you know, going back to that Baker Mayfield conversation, uh, if we were doing this podcast like three years ago, we would have been talking about Jared Goff like we're talking about Baker Mayfield nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. So, but no, like you, I, I'm i not going to rule out. They could win that division, right? I mean, they, they could win the NFC North.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's definitely within their reach. They showed a lot. They showed a lot last year. Green Bay's obviously not going to be the same. Poor Jordan Love. Uh, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting to watch. They will definitely be a, a team to keep an eye on as far as that goes. Anybody else come to mind besides the Lions?
1: The Lion. Well, you know, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by what the Texans are doing because you know they they they've been such a bad team for so long, but it finally seems like they're you know they're on the rise with Stroud. They got Will Anderson. They weren't. I guess they, were they as what was their record last year? Like two, two or three wins or something. Yeah, last year, yeah, it was like three. There were a three win team. I'm interested to see like how long that turnaround takes. I like both those players. I loved Will Anderson coming out. I thought C.J. Stroud what he showed against uh, against Georgia in that playoff last year. Question for me on like how how many years away are they? I I think Stroud's going to be good. I think Will Anderson's going to be good. But I like the running back too, Damian Pierce. But uh, yeah, it's just a matter of it's, I think it's it's a matter of time with those Texans now.
0: Yeah. All right. Before I let you go, so. I like to look through the Twitter feeds of uh, guests I have on the show. And okay. you sent one out in June that uh, caught my attention. Uh-oh. And it was a very simple tweet. Yeah. And I I love to hear the context of it, and I'll tell you and I'll tell you why I like it in a minute. Okay. It was simply abolish replay.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. I am an abolish replay guy. And oh, I, I got you. the We're on the I, same team, I, brother. <laughs> okay. A replay is Ruining all sports. I sent that out during the NBA Finals. I don't remember exactly when it was. Probably during the NBA uh, – probably during one of the Nuggets games where a replay was taking too long. Um, I, here's, here's what I don't like, and you, you've probably, you, you and I are probably very much on the same page here. We are getting into a point where replay is not trying to fix the obvious calls, which is what it was supposed to do. Replay was supposed to fix the I'm watching it at home and I can see he obviously scored, so let's just fix this, right? Now we're getting into, well, you know, if we stitch these three camera angles together <laughs> and we bring AI in to, to, you know, to figure out where the ball is at this exact moment, you can tell that he is just sh- like, what are we doing? We are getting into, you know, we're like zooming into angles that the ball hit the ground from any angle. We're trying to like zoom in and, and, you know, the giant pixelated versions of it. It takes 20 minutes to do anything. Now it's like, I don't even care. I, at some point with this replay stuff, like I just get on with the game. I yes. don't care. That's my biggest uh, thing.
0: Are you familiar with Steve Zabin? He's no. a uh, he's a he he did a national morning radio show for like Yahoo Sports and, and Washington D.C. area guy and all that. Okay. When I was listening to him, and this is like we're going back twelve thirteen years, and he started talking about being anti replay, and the more I heard, the more I became a believer. <laughs> it's, yeah. You know, it, it's yeah the insanity of the way games are delayed. And now this is happening not just in football, it's brutal in basketball. You know yep. when oh, they you know when they stop the play to figure out who touched the ball last, where it went out of bounds. Right. Yeah, I've I, yeah I've gotten to the point it's like, and the and the
1: ones they should get right they don't get right. The, <laughs> whatever happened to whatever happened to I think I think the only way to fix like replay not going away unfortunately. You and I are not ultimately going to win this argument. Replay is going to be here forever. They have to put a shot clock on it, though. Because to me, when replay was first used, especially and, and you know, I'm gonna use the NFL as, as my guide here. But like mm-hmm. when replay first came out, it was indisputable visual evidence, right? Indisputable visual evidence to overturn the play. That's what it that's what they used to say. It was indisputable. Okay, whatever happened to that, because you can't stitch four angles together to get indisputable, right? If it's if it's a like 50, 50, I don't actually understand what happened there. We just go with the call in the field and we move on with the game. And mm. they got to put a shot. And the only way to do that to me is you got to put a shot clock on it. You got to say like, look, you can go in that hood for like 20 seconds. And if you can, in 20 seconds, if you can't figure out what happened, just stick with the call in the field. We're done.
0: Yeah. I, I would be 150% behind that because <laughs> yeah, yeah because even the ones that like, you know, they go in there. You and I have figured this out in twenty seconds. Why can't right. they? You know, right. it's like right. it's and 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 especially when they get it wrong.
1: I because I they they get it wrong more than they get it right. They do. I mean, yeah, and it, it's it's it is one of the most more frustrating things is we can sit at home, you can wall, you can have your Twitter on, and everyone's like, oh yeah, that's that's easy. That's you know, that's that's an obvious call. And then they come out and they're like, you know. No, actually, we're going the other way with this one. <laughs> what are we doing? What are we doing? It drives me nuts. Oh, it
0: it is crazy. So, uh, yeah, well, consider me, uh, you know, uh, in in your camp on that one. I saw yeah. that and I said, Hallelujah! <laughs> 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 That's awesome. All right, give the give, give the plug for the podcast one last time before we cut you loose here.
1: Absolutely, yeah. AFC North talk here on YouTube. Uh, check it out. It's a roundtable show all about the AFC North. We are on every week, live, five thirty. Although our like what day of the week we're doing right now is is uh, is in flux because obviously trying to coordinate four people to do a podcast is not easy. But uh, yeah, just give us a you know subscribe to the channel. You'll get notified when we go live on YouTube again. It's AFC North Talk.
0: All right, Tony Serino, thanks a so bunch, bud. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, let's close things out now with a TV theme. cleaners you know that brown jacket the one i said looks
1: so great on you your favorite we lost it
0: That, of course, the theme from The Rockford Files, starring James Garner. The Rockford Files aired for quite a bit in the 1970s, from September 1974 to January 1980. He, of course, portrays L.A. private investigator Jim Rockford. and Of course, his uh, dad, Noah Beery Jr., was in the supporting role of his father, Rocky Rockford, a retired truck driver, and, of course... uh, Rockford had one time been uh, due to a wrongful conviction, spent time at San Quentin, and uh, after five years, he's pardoned, and uh, he was then becomes a private investigator. And uh, it was a pretty, it, it was a great show. Uh, what I loved most about it was, you know, uh, he he was great at playing, you know, the uh, characters of you know being able to sneak into places and and uh hey i'm so and so from the tax office or hey i'm here from uh you know such and such a place and and i need to look at your cable you know and a lot of that of course it was always big uh that uh you know he was always getting beat up <laughs> so that was always that was that was always fun and uh yeah, just a, just great self-deprecating humor as uh, that show went on, 123 episodes. And uh, I've been catching it a little bit on Get T V on uh, DirecTV, so uh, check that out. They air a couple of episodes each evening. Joe Santos, also part of the cast. He uh, was Sergeant Dennis Becker, uh, his buddy in the LAPD. Uh, Stuart Margolin is Angel Martin. It's his former prison friend. Of course, he's a... Uh, Pretty much a pathological liar and con artist who uh, gets Jim in trouble, but yet Jim stands by him. The lovely Gresham Corbett played uh, Beth Davenport, his lawyer and sometimes girlfriend. So that's some of the other cast members that uh, took place in the Rockford Files, our TV theme for this week. And with that, we are done here.